Yeah, I'm in a coffee shop. This is going to have some background, and it just is what it is. You guys are going to have to listen to this, because this is As It Is, a podcast by your friend Adam. And I'm here without Dom. I don't have Dom with me. I know. But we're going to have Dom in the next couple episodes. Don't worry. I'm at a coffee shop in Royal Oak, Michigan. And I thought, what would be a better place to do an episode except for in a noisy-ass coffee shop? So that's what I'm doing right now. I have no idea how this is going to turn out because I didn't plan this before. But I got some things I want to talk about. I have some content I want to go over. But first, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, the season, the time. It is close to Thanksgiving when this is being recorded, just a couple of days before. And boy, oh boy, am I excited. Haven't you ever been excited about Thanksgiving? I have. This year, I'm particularly excited. I wanted to do something really interesting for the show, but I didn't really know what to do, because every year, if you've been listening to this show for multiple years, as it's been going on for about three, you notice that on Christmas and Thanksgiving, I usually have a big mega episode with all my favorite boys, all the, uh, you know, best guests on the show come on, and we have a couple drinky poos, and we talk, and we get lit. Um, This year I want to do that, but I can't rely on five guys to all have the same schedule um, for me to be able to do a show. So I got to just do the show on my own and hope, you know, the other pieces assemble where they might. Um, I love this season. I absolutely love this season because it's the season where indie music makes sense, isn't it? No, but seriously, it... It is a great time to listen to some good music. Um, who was the band that was just playing just now? It was like, oh, oh. That's like the music that I hear that would be like inside of the target that's in heaven, you know? Like, it's just perfect for this time of year, and it's also perfect to just feel like dainty and quaint, and like if you were like a girl, you would have like. Um, Uggs on and like wear your hair in a top knot and like have uh, some sort of latte. Speaking of which, I'm going to pause this because I want to take a sip of my pumpkin pie latte that I just got. I'm here at Atomic Coffee. Shouts out to Atomic Coffee um, in Royal Oak. But give me a second. You won't notice that this pause because I'm just going to keep talking. And when it gets cut together, well, you know. I'm going to stop explaining myself. Mm. That was a tasty cup of coffee, which I haven't finished yet. I just took a couple sips of. Man, I really hope you guys can hear me on this episode uh, without so too much background noise. But honestly, the background noise is part of the ambiance of this episode because you should be in this podcast or you should be in this coffee shop with me, you know, digitally, but still in spirit. So that's what I'm hoping we're getting out of this. Or it might just be too loud and you may not be able to hear a fucking single word I'm saying. But let's hope not. Let's hope that's not what's going on. Um, so, about the season and about the music of the season, I love Christmas music. It's not quite Christmas yet. It's still sort of indie music Thanksgiving time. 
like everything sort of orange tint and you have your pumpkin spice latte i have a pumpkin pie latte but most of you will have your pumpkin spice latte let's think about some bands that are like i'm here with my girlfriend Allie. let's think about some bands that like really encapsulate like the warm coziness of like the end of the fall who's i was thinking animal collective would be one animal collective um fleet foxes should be listening day wave i haven't heard them what how do they sound they just remind me of fall they're you know they're another uh like a bedroom pop kind of band all right guys so you heard it there bedroom pop is what's the wave for this season i like fleet foxes just because fleet foxes reminds me of like rei and outdoors and like camping and granola bars and my friend seth singer shouts out to seth singer if he listens to this this time of year really reminds me of of being at your place eating edibles and uh playing sonic the hedgehog which i think we did in the winter time but for some reason the late fall really reminds me of being at the singer household getting lit uh hold on let me take a sip of this Um, so Day Wave uh, I'm trying to think Toro Imoy but Toro Imoy is more summer Toro Imoy is more summer uh, alright I'm going to come up with a playlist for you guys you're going to listen to Lorelei by Fleet Foxes you're going to listen to We Were Sparkling by no 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 um, uh, it was Oh, God, what's the name of that fucking song? Um, The Good Guy and the Bad Guy, Siamese Twins Remix by My Brightest Diamond. That's really music for the first snow. Like, when there's just a quick dusting on the ground, listen to The Good Guy and the Bad Guy by My Brightest Diamond's The Siamese Twins Remix. You gotta listen to that. That will really... Put you into just put you straight inside of a Noah Baumbach indie movie where you're trying to get your Jewish girlfriend back. That's that's the that's what it is. That's what the movie or that's what the music makes you makes you become. You you become a guy in New York wearing Toms who has like an overbearing Jewish mother. You know who Noah Baumbach is, right? Allie like kind of looked at me. No, Bombach made all those like Jewish movies about like, yeah. But yeah, all, if you listen to, if you listen to that song, and there's a light dusting on the ground, you'll feel yourself being transported into an indie movie. So that's kind of what I want to do for this episode: is find as many things as I can that'll transport you into an indie movie. Sally, what are some other things that transport you into an indie movie? This is a lot of pressure for me writing a paper right now. I know you're writing a paper, but I mean, this could just be like one or two suggestions you threw out there for the audience. Some people want to live in indie movies. Sorry, what was the question again? What are some things that you do during this time of year that make you feel like you're in an indie movie?
I, I, I think one. All right, yeah, you, you tell me. Okay, you come up with one first. Okay. One of them is walking on a path in the woods and listening to Feist. Remember Feist? My Moon, My Man? Okay, you remember the Feist song? One, two, three, four, tell me that you love me. Yeah, so you do remember Feist. Yeah. Wayne State's campus. So okay. like being on campus in the fall and having all of the like the leaves falling. Yeah, campus life in the fall is definitely a very indie movie. Yes. Um, leaves crunching crunching underneath your mm-hmm. underneath your shoes as you run from one class and to like another. To class, yeah. yeah, as you run from one class to another, the cold air kind of hitting you, getting underneath your jacket. Mm-hmm. You know, the smell of Starbucks not not too far away. Yeah, that's definitely indie movie material right there. Um, ooh, I know. <laughs> what? I know one. Bookstores. Mm, bookstores. Book if you if you go to an indie bookstore, you'll feel like you're in an indie movie. I wonder how many bookstore owners like hate the like the teenagers that come in or the young people that come in like just to feel like they're in an indie movie but don't yeah, actually probably. Probably Yeah, but don't actually like buy anything. Yeah. It was kind of indie movie, wasn't it? You made it that way. No, I didn't. <laughs> I did not make it that way. How did I make it into an indie movie? What did I do? Because you made us go to that really fancy restaurant. And we went around to... Yeah, it was. It was fancy. And and then we went to that bookstore, right? And we yeah. like walked around the bottom of the bookstore for a little bit. Yeah, We went to... Uh, not Illuminati. Yeah, we what was it called? Yeah, so we did a pretty much all the indie things that you could do. Well, Ann Arbor is like the indie capital, indie movie capital of the world. Like, you can't go to Ann Arbor without feeling like you're in an indie movie to a certain extent. Uh, yeah. Shouts out to Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, Michigan, where the University of Michigan is. All right, let's let's think about let's think about where the best spots are this time of year in Michigan like nature wise entertainment wise Bloomer Park Park. tell me about that Uh, Bloomer Park it just has like has a lot of trails and it's probably the only hiking spot like near Metro Detroit that's like uh, I don't know at least you know probably five square miles of untouched area you know it's not like the other park that we go to Heinz Park where there's so many like uh so much urbanization throughout the woods right we we tried going to this park uh near my house that was basically had like a highway built right through it so like you could really only hang out like on the sides of a very busy ass road and like i mean there was some nice nature and like there's like some disc golf and some hills but it was definitely not what i would consider to be like a nature preserve even though that's what it technically is um shouts out to heinz park I'm just going to be shouting out a lot of shit this, this episode. Uh, let's see. Um, Barnes & Noble has really turned into a toy store. It's really not... like I mean, there's books there, obviously. 
Hold on, I'll w I'll wait for the for the baristas to stop yelling. Okay. No, my my rant on Barnes Barnes and Noble. I actually used to work at Barnes and Noble. Did I tell you that? Yeah, so the thing about working at Barnes and Noble is that you get you have to work as a cashier, a Starbucks barista, and uh, a guy that like you know organizes and sorts books, all for nine twenty five. That's what they were paying at least at the time. Yeah. I luckily never picked up a shift where they would fit force me to to work at Starbucks. Like they. They basically were like, okay, when you start out, you have to work in all three places, but eventually you were just gonna like seclude you to like one of the areas. Like whether you work on the floor, or you work as a cashier, or you work as a Starbucks person, it's basically just like how long you've been there and how much they need somebody to, to like work in one of those areas. But um, it was so terrible because most of what I was ringing up when I was a cashier, no joke, were those um, Funko Pop uh figurines they're the figurines with like the really big heads that people keep in those little square boxes the bobblehead things but like they're kept in those little square boxes and people don't actually open up the boxes because they're supposed to be like collectible items in like 20 years but i mean everybody yeah i mean people very rarely you'd get like a couple of old people that were there to like seriously read you know like get some books but any person under 40 was there for like toys or like kids books for their kid or magazines or like a non-fiction like bio uh, biography of like some like swindler some like grifter was somebody somebody calling you who was it oh true well you can answer it no he would talk for too long oh true you should hit up uh, Shelby again. Or just text her and tell her where we're at. Yeah, uh, yeah, I need I need somebody to interview. We need some more Michigan people. I need more Michigan people. By the way, the number one place to be in this season is Michigan. When I was living in Maryland, and uh, you know, in Howard County, me and my sister would just fantasize about being back in Michigan in the fall, and how great it was, and how indie movie esque it is to be out here. Uh, there's just so much authenticity. There's the diners, there's the snow in weird parts of the year, there's the, just the, the aura of a truly American place really puts you in a, in a feeling of, of the Americanness of a holiday like Thanksgiving, you know? Because that's a uniquely American thing, Thanksgiving. You know, so it's good to be in the heartland for a time like this. But I'm going to pause this for here and give me a second, gentlemen and ladies. Allie said she doesn't think of her life as a movie. She just lives it. I think that's sick. I think that's sick. That's a dope ass line. I'm going to steal that. It's not that I think of my life as a movie, but I think of some moments as cinematic in their quality. It's not necessarily that my entire life is some make-believe thing that I'm acting in, but that some uh, moments are so picturesque and on the nose in terms of like their sensory feelings that you kind of get a feeling that almost it's like almost staged in a way because it feels so perfect. 
but shouldn't you be getting like the opposite reaction? Like if your life feels like you're having a really real intense emotional moment, shouldn't you feel like you're in the most real spot of your life and like everything else that's kind of dull and goes around in your life is more cinematic than the real moments? No, because I think we can both agree that life is mostly the dullness. Like, life is mostly waiting in line. Life is mostly, you know, waiting for your food to finish cooking. Life is mostly on hold, you know. Life is mostly sort of the sets in, or the time, the recovery time in between the sets at the gym. Like, that's when you're living. that are very like comical like it's almost like something like happened and it it was just like there was something else in the universe that made that one particular thing happen you know exactly there's something that seems directed about a truly comical or just like what i mean by on the nose is like what i mean by on the nose is like things feel sort of sort of um Put together in a way that gets you this exact result whereas life typically doesn't feel as pointed as it can feel at certain moments that to me feel cinematic like when you trip and everybody sees you and then there's like a beat and then three people laugh yeah that's like it's pointed something happened there you right. know where or say you were like just having like a really like a conversation about like either like wanting a new job or something and then you get a call randomly and it's like hey you got an interview for this like that would be a cinematic motive you know, that's like, what i'm talking yeah, about that. yeah that's yeah. what i'm talking about not just like that i want daily life to be a movie no that's not what i'm saying but saying that there are these sort of movie-esque sort of moments mm-hmm. that populate your life from time to time but i think this season can in its very feeling kind of evoke an early to mid 2000s like like first gen hipster gentrification kind of vibe what is the fall oh the fall that's yeah i'm trying to this that's kind of the point of this podcast i'm trying to figure out why that is so bear with me guys while i work this out everyone okay like i feel like you don't have to worry as much like in the fall because everyone's kind of trying to run to their car for safety to just be like in warm weather like you know what i mean you're just trying to get warm right so like is that what you're saying i don't know well no i mean that like there's people and things that are the quality of them is like very special this time of year um, like a pumpkin spice latte, right? You don't get that any other time of the year except for this year, this time of the year. And it's a special thing that denotes this particular time of year. Well, I think that... Well, that's because this is the season for gourds. This is the season for gourds, you know, like pumpkin, squash. Like, this is the season they grow. And it's also the season for REI, camping, <laughs> and by extension, um, fleet foxes, because when you're in the summer you don't go camping because you're gonna boil like you're gonna sweat your butt off but now it's perfect campfire weather right and exactly the campfire let's focus on that for a second is there anything more magical than a campfire in the fall 
<laughs> no. So there's there's magic in the air this time of year. That's all I'm saying. Well, maybe maybe that's also part of it too. Is because like you know like it's like the end of a it's a, it's the end of a season. You know, it's really like the end of like the warmth, right? So you're using all of the dead leaves and all of like the dead branches to like build a fire, and you're kind of like it's almost like a celebration. Yeah, there is something celebratory about almost every day during this season. And um, there's something just like in the air. Like when we went to uh, when we went to that apple orchard and like we were like waiting in line for two hours to go paintballing, like yeah. there was something electric in the air. Like maybe it's the ions because it was cold or something. Maybe there's an actual scientific explanation for it but there's like some feeling some vibe that you only really get when it's like the early part of it being cold in the year like the first cold the first like feeling of cool air and the nighttime and a bunch of people around and you're in your jackets and you're drinking your coffee and everybody's kind of huddled up there's an extra feeling to it that's like this human warmth that you can only really identify because it's so cold. I think you're right, and it does specifically happen in the fall because you need to crowd close together because you're trying to stay warm, but it's also not too cold to the point where you can't even be outside. Right. It doesn't. the The cold doesn't really take over in the way that it will in the in the, in the next couple of months. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think, by contrast, if I could contrast this month with another month, I think February is one of the worst months. February and March. <laughs> are like some of the worst months like of the year because there's truly nothing going on it's the coldest time in like michigan you know weather whatever scale and it really is just a dead time like things feel dead it feels desolate you know a cloudy day isolated because no one wants to leave their home exactly you feel isolated you feel the community gone almost in a way and you feel very alone during those months yeah um whereas because people are still out even though it's cold you feel this camaraderie that you would associate with summer but transplanted into like a cooler environment yeah see we're getting somewhere with this show we're doing something right now yeah yeah you haven't even started your paper. You're distracting me. All this right. is like a hard paper to write. All right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm done distracting you. I'll, I'll review a movie. How about that? All right. I'm gonna pause this here. Well, this was a good segment. All right. Speaking of movies, I saw a movie this past weekend that was not bad, and I wanted to give it a quick review in the spirit of the old podcast. Uh, If anybody remembers, I used to do a film podcast called NOLA Filmcast, where I would do reviews with my old co-host Mike. Shouts out to Mike. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and do a review now of the movie The Menu, which came out last weekend, starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Ralph Fiennes. Uh, It was actually directed by Mark Malloyd and produced by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, among others. So, if you haven't seen the trailer for it, um, it is a black comedy uh, about a chef that has an island where he shows these like really uh, extravagant meals. It's sort of like gastro science or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, 
molecular gastronomy, whatever, um, where the guests dine on his like creations and of course in the movie and this isn't giving anything away he's like a crazy chef and it starts to do these sort of dangerous and uh, very controversial let's say uh, stunts during his uh, sort of showcasing of his dishes so that's basically the film um, in the movie Anya Taylor-Joy is brought as a date from uh, this guy who's like obsessed with the Ralph Fiennes character. Ralph Fiennes of course plays the chef uh, who is this sort of megalomaniac kind of extremely obsessed uh, kind of very disturbed uh, chef character who wants to sort of punish his guests with his food. Which is an interesting concept, and to be quite honest, the highest point of the movie, or the best part of it, is the acting. I think everybody did a fucking great job. Um, obviously, Ralph Fiennes is a uh, veteran. He's probably one of the best working actors that exists today. And, you know, he does his best to kind of carry the movie, and he does carry the movie. It was... Uh, you know, expertly acted. Every scene he was in uh, was very emotionally heavy and had a point to it. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, I am not crazy about, you know. I don't really find her... Yeah, you know, there's a lot of noise right now. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to hear this, so I'm going to pause it and uh, remember I was talking about Anya Taylor-Joy, so that's where I'm going to pick up in the next spot. Sorry about that one, guys. Uh, wow, my voice is very loud right now because I'm very close to the mic. I'm trying to drown out the uh, incredible amount of noise that is in this new coffee shop that we just relocated to. I was trying to find a place that was not as loud as the other one, and guess what we found? A place that is even louder. So I hope this isn't splitting your fucking eardrums. I gotta check the audio. Hold on, let me just play this back. All right, we're just gonna keep going with this. Um, again, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying something new, trying to do a podcast in a public place. Consider this a live show, but uh, damn, there's so much noise around me. I can barely hear myself talk. Anyways, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy. Here's the thing, I personally don't love seeing her in movies just because I've seen her so fucking much. But in the menu, let me be real with you, she did a great job, as she typically always does. I mean, she's not a bad actress. There's a reason why she's in every fucking movie. But uh, to be quite honest with you, some of the other cast members I didn't love too much. I mean, you had John Leguizamo, who, let's be real, is the most annoying person in the world. Then you had um, a bunch of no-names, people that I've never seen in any movie before except for, like, television. Uh, but, you know, all in all, the cast did a great job and was carried by Ralph Fiennes' performance. The cinematography was fucking incredible. It really made you feel like you were inside of the uh, restaurant that they were in, which I'm sure was just a soundstage, but you couldn't feel that from the movie. The movie did a great job of being atmospheric and keeping your attention with pretty simple plot points. My only... My only disruption with the film was how quickly it wanted to get to those plot points. 
Um, it was really not rushed, but insistent upon itself and upon the world that it was creating. So much so that I felt like some of the more uh, incredible moments weren't necessarily as earned as they could have been. But, you know, it had to keep the movie trudging forward and you had to keep the characters moving. So, you know, I I'm not going to hate on that. I'm not going to say that that was uh, a big negative mark. I would just say that it was something that was very apparent from watching the film. I hope the music in the background isn't too annoying either, guys. I'm really trying my hardest here. This is, uh, and you know what was crazy? What? What? restaurant with molecular gastronomy I said I feel like when you were watching that movie though they actually gave you the experience that most people are looking for when they go to something that's like molecular gastronomy because you got all of the auditory experiences of them making all of the food they were making and you also got all of the presentation right funny you say that Allie so the second unit director in the film was actually a guy by the name of David Gleb, who is the director of Chef's Table, the docu-series on Netflix. So they actually went with a guy who makes food shows for the second unit director yeah so all of those like cuts that you saw in the movie where it like actually zooms in on the food and tells you what it's made out of that's made by a guy who does chef's table yeah yeah it absolutely was i mean they really went in depth in the creation process of each plate that the uh characters enjoyed and you know that has its own plot reasons but you know, on a stylistic approach, it was really pleasant. It was a pleasant movie to watch just from seeing the food being made. Um, and yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, so yeah, they filmed it in Savannah, Georgia. What are some other facts I can ring out about this movie? Um, yeah, I mean, it was something that had been on the table for a while. I think they had actually already made it for Emma Stone. She was originally gonna play Anya Taylor-Joy's part. This was back in 2019, but then it turned out that Emma Stone had to drop out because the movie just, you know, conflicted with her schedule. So then that's when they picked up Anya Taylor-Joy. You notice that they're really going with actresses with big eyes for this movie. I think that there's a reason for that. someone who had that um, who had eyes that were very prominent for the shots that they were taking right because she was in an entire mind game which she was with Queen's Gabbit right like she was in the mind game with the chef right so they wanted those close shots of her oh totally I think the close-ups in that movie were what made it and especially when you see Ralph Fiennes' character kind of reacting and his face kind of twitching and, you know, when he's interview or uh, talking and interacting with the different guests and you see his sort of uh, disdain and anger and hatred of the people, it all comes out in his face, you know. He, d he doesn't really say, I hate you, but you can tell just by the way he looks at people that he really dislikes them, you know, and that's all done in the close-up, so... Yeah, no, the movie, it was, it was shot very uh, expertly. It was an expertly shot movie, and it was expertly acted. 
So if you're looking for a movie to watch uh, this holiday season and you want something that's, you know, dark but still funny, and there are some funny scenes in that movie, it actually did make me laugh out loud a few times, um, definitely check it out. The Menu 2022 by Mark Malloyd, starring Ralph Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. Alright, so that was my review of the movie, and let's move the fuck on. There's an open mic here tonight. There's an open mic here tonight. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely not going to perform, but one of the things I love about open mics is who it brings out. You know, you get like to see who the creative people in the area are and like what they do. And I think uh, for sure Royal Oak has some interesting people. I know Detroit always does, but it'll be fun to actually see like who comes out for this tonight. Um, I definitely won't be able to do the show while the open mic is going on, so I won't be able to do the show while the open mic is going on. Yeah. Oh, you're still recording. You're always going to get more of like an indie uh, open mic, you know, as, as opposed to when we were at, what is it called? The Detroit place we were at where we saw an open mic. It was called the Detroit Shipping Company. That and Spotlight, right? And there was a, it wasn't really an indie scene, right? What kind of scene was it, Allie? <laughs> what kind of scene was it? Um, I mean, there were a lot of poets. Right? It wasn't much, it wasn't like the, like when I think of indie, I'm thinking of like, you know, someone up there with their guitar and like, you know. I have this feeling that we'll be able to hear the people behind us better than we'll be able to hear you. So I may just uh, replay this so that I can make sure I can actually hear you and not the people behind us. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, hopefully guys, this is still listenable. I'm really self-conscious right now about this, about this podcast. So let's let's play it back. I'm gonna just give me a fucking second. Hold on. Allie just uh, asked me a really int- important and interesting question. I think we'll capstone this whole podcast. She asked me, "What is indie?" That's a good question. I think it's more of an aesthetic than it is necessarily a categorical or a easily definable like an easily definable persona it's not really like a thing as much as it is a feeling so that's why I say like an aesthetic a look a quality that is superficial rather than like something that is like like I think there's no such thing as I also think of hipster and like when I think of indie I sometimes throw people into the category of not being genuine and not like having their own like artistic creation they're all just kind of like you know like if you're a hipster you're not really believing in those values you're just somebody who just wants the look right well you're the commercialization of it right is so uh so permeating the actual culture itself because it's it is the bourgeois uh, aesthetic. It is the aesthetic of the bourgeoisie. People, it's not the 1980s anymore. People who are rich typically don't like to show their wealth. They want to dress down. They want to look more earthy. They want to look more in tune with the common man. And that usually expresses itself as wearing a beanie, having a guitar, wearing flip flops, eating granola bars. You might see coming here. Wouldn't you say the ones that were at Spotlight in the Detroit Shipping Company to be more original? 
I don't think that there's anything more original about those people than there is about the people here at all. I think it's the fact that they were African American that you want them to be more original. Uh, <laughs> no, frankly, frankly, no. that's what it is. No. But uh, no, I think that those people were their own version of indie. Like, if I had to give you a stock character that most like white indie people are trying to be, I would say it's like a granola hipster guy that like camps a lot and then the indie black is like common or common the rapper common like a poet beat be, uh, break or what's that shit called um spoken word uh still wears a beanie black indie yeah black indie is spoken word uh, a lot of teas, a lot of essential oils, a lot of incense burning. Yeah, that's black indie. Yeah, it's just that's the black side of it. You know, they express it in a different way, but the ethos is still the same. It's still a very, not totally, but still a very like put on kind of, especially for the men that engage in it. I would say the women are typically more authentic, but men, black indie men, are typically doing it for women. Yeah, but I mean, rapping. Um, when you're rapping to no beat at the Detroit Shipping Company to six people, yeah, I would call that indie. I would call that very deconstructed and avant-garde. Um, yeah, but, you know, I think there's something to enjoy about it. I think there's an aspect of it that really reaches for a creative, a creative place that a lot of people are too afraid to get to. Indie originally? I have no idea. I mean, let's go on. Let's go on the old computer door and see where we first find the uh, the terminology indie. I mean, it, I know it stands for independent, but that could. But independent. Oh shit! I don't have fucking internet. Hold on. Let's pause this and let me get the internet. So I looked it up, and there isn't one definition for indie. It's kind of a disambiguated term that can refer to independent music, independent films, alternative mu music, uh, anything that's basically not connected to a larger, more commercial, let's use commercial as the uh, comparative like other in this. Um, so when someone says indie, they're basically saying that someone is not commercial whatever that means in the context that they're discussing it. Okay, so this is basically carrying on to, I originally associated it with the term hipster, because to be a hipster is to be something that looks original, right? Which is why I related it to the term indie, because a lot of bands will classify themselves as indie, like Coldplay, even though, you know, they're not really that independent or original, like, you know, they're very much commercialized. In the same way that I think that hipsters, like, it, you know, the term is meant to be original, but they're doing something completely unoriginal by just doing what other hipsters do. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think we're in agreement on that. What's your, what was your point, exactly? <laughs> I'm not even trying to be an asshole. Like, what My point was, is that we saw a lot of great artists at Spotlight that I think were much better. Detroit Shipping Company was okay. Let, let's be real. They were, you know, they were not great. But Spotlight had a lot of great people that I think it would be an insult to label them as just something commercialized like that.
Yeah, I'll give you that. I would say if we had to compare the difference between Spotlight and... Is that a North Face? Between Spotlight and uh, uh, Detroit Shipping Company is exactly that. Is is the authentic nature of the artist performing. So, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll concede that, yeah, I mean, there were definitely different groups of people that had different level of quality. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, anyways, um, I, I used to try to fuck around with comedy, and I don't know if I'm going to do something like that tonight, so... I may, I may end this podcast and try to do some jokes at this, uh, at this open mic here. So, anyways, I hope this is listenable. Guys, bear with me. We're going to do more episodes like this if it does work. I'm going to just start going to random places and doing my show. But uh, this was an experiment, and thanks for taking the ride. I appreciate it. As it is, listen, subscribe, get at me.